before you're seated, we want to read a scripture together, a section of scripture out loud, all together, kind of our congregational reading, if you will. John 10, verse 10, in your big boy and big girl voices. Are you ready? Let's read it together. It says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Today, we want to bring a message entitled, God Works in Mysterious Ways. Turn your neighbor and say, get ready. It's going to be good. Go ahead. Tell at least three people. Get ready. It's going to be, going to be good. Do I have any uh, fellow Sherlock Holmes fans out there? Any, any, any of you love some Sherlock Holmes. I absolutely love the uh, Sherlock Holmes series with uh, Robert Downey Jr. I even like the BBC one with Cumberbatch in it. Those are just legit awesome. I love, I love Sherlock Holmes because uh, he has a way of entering a situation or coming on the scene, seeing things, picking up on things, noticing things that most people miss entirely. In fact, what most people would say would be an unsolved mystery, he specializes in seeing things that help you solve said mysteries. And uh, I think it's kind of a fun thing. And I think a lot of times in our lives, there are experiences, there are situations, there are circumstances, there are things that happen all around us that leave us kind of like scratching our head, wishing there was a Sherlock Holmes to help us solve what is going on around us and help us see differently or, or more clearly all of those things. And I think a lot of times when it comes to our lives, uh, I, I think you would, you would uh, agree, and, and you've probably heard it said many, many times, but we have this phrase that we say uh, when things oftentimes are, are triumphant, there's something great happens, or when tragedy strikes and things are unthinkable and unimaginable or, or sad even. Uh, and we have this phrase where we say, God works in mysterious ways. And we say it. We say it often. We, we say it with deep conviction. We say it uh, uh, full well. But, but my, my, my goal in this series has been that we're taking these phrases that we say and trying to discover if God said and if you haven't picked up on it yet, here we are, week number four of this series, God Never Said That. When it comes to the phrase that we say, God works in mysterious ways, you just need to know God never said that. He never said that about himself. He never said that about his will. He never said that about his desires. He never said that about the mission that he is on. God never said that he works in mysterious ways. We say it, but God never said it. I hope this series has been helpful for you. And uh, really looking forward to, to next week. We're going to kind of wrap everything up and kind of, we're going to actually look back at all four of these weeks and kind of remix them for you. And uh, then answer some questions that we have found that have kind of been coming up as we've kind of 
dove into some of these subject matters of things that we say but God never said. And uh, there have been questions that have come up. And so uh, we're going to kind of remix and kind of remind everybody kind of what we've talked about. But then I'm going to sit down uh, and I'm going to answer some of those questions that have come in. In fact, some of you have some questions. You're like, oh, I've wanted to ask him this question. Well, now's your chance to ask it. You can grab your cell phone this week and to our text line, 620-604-9280. You can send in your questions. Just text them in. We won't share your name or anything like that with it. But if you have a question, text it in. Uh, and uh, we, we want to answer those next Sunday. And we're going to get really practical and dive in and kind of hit a lot of different things as we kind of remix this series, God Never Said That. Now, today, though, I want to Look at this one thing, this one phrase that we say, but God never said. How God works in mysterious ways. And, and I, I think we have to be willing to be honest enough to say that uh, we say this phrase, or people say this phrase, not to be mean, not to be rude, not to even be theologically incorrect. Every time we say this phrase, as with a lot of the phrases that we've looked at, like our intentions are clean and pure. We want to help people. But if we're not careful, these phrases spoken actually can come across trite, insensitive at moments, and just incomplete as we try and paint God in a certain way that he never painted himself in. And, and this week, I uh, threw it out there on social media, again, asking people like, hey, when, when have you heard this phrase said to you? Because again, typically it happens in, in two scenarios. It happens when something tragic happens or when something triumphant or, or worth celebrating would happen. And we, we just kind of throw it all in there and say, yeah, well, well, God works in mysterious ways. One, one person told me that uh, somebody broke up with them and then proceeded to tell them it's okay, though, because God works in mysterious ways. Worst breakup line ever. Fellas, if you're breaking up with a girl, own it. Don't put that on God, right? Like, own that one. Somebody uh, told me that uh, they, they had somebody tell them this the, uh, as soon as they got a new job. Well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. As if that person wasn't diligent, hardworking, and hadn't earned anything in their life. As if they had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Well, God works in mysterious ways, so yeah. I don't know why you got the job, but hey, I guess it'll all work out in the end. Like, what kind of statement is that? My cousin shared with me online how uh, when she had a miscarriage, Christian showed up and says, well, you know what, sweetheart? God works in mysterious ways. As if some, somehow God cosmically was creating devastation and destroying a life that was once created in order to work in a way that yet will always be mysterious. I think we have to recognize and acknowledge that tragic things do happen in our world. And every world religion, every belief system has to answer the question of evil and suffering. Atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Hindus, Mormons, Everybody, every system of belief has to deal and answer the question about evil and suffering that exists in our world. I happen to believe that Christianity offers the best answer and response to evil and suffering. Now, I'm not, 
having time to unpack this whole theological idea. In fact, uh, uh, two years ago around Easter, we did a series called The Problem of God. And we answered several things that people have a problem when it comes to God. And if this problem could get answered, then they would believe in God. And one of the, ser- one of the weeks in the series we talked about was evil and suffering. And we answered the problem from a Christian perspective. What are the solutions? What are the answers to the problem of evil and suffering as it relates to Scripture? So, so I'm not going to unpack that fully for you today. I want to encourage you to go back to the Central Hub and listen to that message, listen to that series. Yeah, we, we, used it, uh, we used a book that was written by a former atheist who now pastors a church about their journey questioning these deep things. Encourage you to go and listen to it. But let me just summarize some of these thoughts that we've got to understand and to, to, to realize this. There is a devil and he is evil. There is a God and he is good. You are a person and sometimes your sin makes really bad choices. All three of those, I'm going to say, forces are at play in our world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. And God himself is 100% good. He is 100% just. He is 100% merciful. Well, how do you mean, Pastor? Why aren't people getting what they deserve? And why are some people getting mercy and some people getting judgment? No, no, listen, listen, listen. You need to understand. God judged the world, and he judged his son, Jesus, who took the punishment for every sin ever created and committed. And in so doing, God was able to act 100% just and also be 100% merciful that anyone who would call on the name of the Lord Jesus could then themselves be saved and receive the mercy that God himself is 100% in. And one day there will be coming a time when everything that is broken and messed up will be restored and set back to where it was better than anything you could ever dream, hope, or imagine, sin forever eradicated and the world set right again. That day is coming again. And until then, we're left in this world with all of these things at play. And I think a lot of times we are unwilling to acknowledge these components. And so everything that happens, we just put on God. Everything that we don't understand, we don't like, or even would want to celebrate, we just generically throw it on God. And we say things like, well, he works in mysterious ways. This must be God. Taking out of account the fact that there is a devil who has one desire, and that is to destroy and derail your entire life. He wants nothing good for you. And when you choose to not believe that evil exists, then you're left but to put everything good and evil that you experience and see on a God who is fully good. I don't believe that God wanted to leave himself as a mystery to humanity. I don't believe that God works in mysterious ways near as much as what we think that he does. See, I think a lot of times we look at this idea of a mystery, and a mystery in nature, the way we think about it, is that a mystery is unknown by everybody. It's a mystery. Nobody knows. 
The only problem with that thought process is that God knows, and God's Spirit knows all, and God's Spirit actually lives on the inside of every believer. So it's not so much a mystery that can't be solved, and there's a mystery that we don't know, and there's things that we can't grab a hold of. No, that's not what it is. I believe that, that God himself makes known his will. He wants to make known his ways. He wants you to understand his character so that no matter what it is that you see, you don't have to doubt what he's all about. I believe that sometimes we say that God works in mysterious ways, but, but maybe a better way to say it is that God is working in ways that are unseen and certainly miraculous. All of those things would, would be true. But to say that God works in mysterious ways in way, ways that you would never know, be able to grab a hold of or, or comprehend, I don't believe that that's right because God himself says he is revealing things to his children. I, I think that we've got to look at things from a, maybe a, a different vantage point. In fact, let me say it this way. This is really the, the big idea today that I'm trying to help us understand. In fact, I have two goals today. No, goal number one is to motivate you and encourage you and employ you never to say God works in mysterious ways ever again. Like I have a personal goal to help you eradicate that from your vocabulary. I've never found it helpful or fully theologically accurate. I figure if God never said it, we shouldn't probably say that he said it. And we probably shouldn't be adding to the mystery of who God is by saying that he is mysterious. When our job as people of God is to be exposing and helping people see God clearly, not adding to the mystery ourselves. So I have a goal, helping us never to, to say this again. My second goal is this, that you would understand more fully what God is actually up to. So what is God up to? Well, I believe that this is what God's up to. Uh, we put it on the central hub in your notes, and if you're taking notes on your own, I'm going to say it slowly and say it a couple times because it's, I tried really hard to make it cute and rhymy and all packaged together, but there was just, I, I didn't get there. So this is what we've got. Are you ready? This is going to sound really, really wordy, and it is, but it's really, really true. Are you ready? God gave us clues in the scriptures about his will that point to Jesus who showed us God's ways and he imparts his spirit to us to rework God's character within us. It's not really that mysterious. This is what God's all, this is God right here. Are you ready? God gave us clues in the scriptures. His word is his will. What does God want for my life? It's right in here. It's right in here. It's in these pages. God's, God's will for your life can be discovered in the scriptures. And all of the scriptures point and reflect and are about Jesus, who came and lived a life in such a way that he lived out the ways of God on this earth. All of scripture reveals to us God's will. They all point to Jesus who lived out, embodied God's ways. And on top of that, because you don't get to live a life watching Jesus walk the earth, because Jesus came 
fully man, and he was one day, his physical body would expire like one day, your physical body will also expire, right? Like it's gonna ha- it was gonna happen to him, but instead he laid down his life instead, giving his life as a sacrifice for you and me, making redemption possible, rece- was buried, raised to life three days later, and now lives in heaven, seated next to God, advocating and praying on your behalf. So, so Jesus showed up, and because he couldn't stick around for centuries and centuries, and now 2,000-plus years after Jesus literally walked the earth, because Jesus couldn't stick around for all 2,000-plus years, he decided to send his spirit to live in every believer who now the spirit is at work trying to remix and re-encounter and help you develop godly character so the world around you doesn't think God is a mystery They can see God at work because they see you. I love studying, and this week as I was looking at the early church, they believed this to the core. In fact, they believed it so much that they weren't so much concerned about why things were happening around them. They were most concerned with the question, what is is God reworking in us? And anytime we start asking why things happen outwardly without first recognizing that God is trying to work inwardly, we will miss the point and confuse the solutions. And the, low, and the early church was doing, they, they, they realized that it was more important what God was developing in them rather than what was happening around them or to them. And on on the scene comes this guy named Paul who's writing to this church in Ephesus. And and Paul is like a, well, he was like a biblical uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes. He picked up and saw some clues throughout all of history to help people see Jesus a little clearly, to solve the mystery, knowing that everything in life really summarizes and it comes down to understanding Jesus really, really clear. And Paul is writing to the early church, to the church in Ephesus, and, and he's writing this letter and, and, he, and I want to read some of these, these words to you. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 7. This is, listen to Paul, Paul's writing, decoding some things for them. He says this, In him, being God, we have redemption through his blood, or, or in him being Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and all understanding. Let me ask you a question. If you have all knowledge, if you have all wisdom, if you have all understanding, is there anything considered a mystery in that moment? So it's not a mystery to Jesus who God is. And he, with all wisdom, all understanding, made known to us, you and me, the mystery of God's will, according to his good pleasure. In other words, God delighted in making sure you knew what his will was all about. God delighted to send Jesus to live a life to help you understand what God's will and his ways were all about. It put a smile on God's face. He loved it. Helping you see Jesus and God in a clearer way. That was God's pleasure. He could have worked at Chick-fil-A. My pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, 
we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, God, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In other words, something happens. God's going to work it out for his will and his purposes to be seen and noticed in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praises of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. All of the mysteries that people want to say are about God. He revealed by sending Jesus to help us see what his will and his ways were all about. And on top of that, he sealed it, made known to us what we needed to know, that Jesus is the answer, sealed it and said, now I'm giving you my spirit so other people can see the answer, and that is Jesus Christ. How many of you remember, uh, let me say it like this, as we're talking about this and grabbing a hold of this, one of the things that I think Paul was really trying to help us understand is that there are things that are hidden for you to find later. They are not hidden from you forever. In other words, it's not really a mystery if it's known by somebody. It's just unknown for a time being until the time is right to, to say it. Let me, let me give you a, a, a better example. Uh, there are some things as a father that I know that I don't impart to my children until they're ready to know it. There are certain marriage things that they don't need to know. I'm going to keep those as hidden as possible from them until they need to know it, and then I'll let them know it. I'm not hiding it from them because I'm mean and manipulative and don't want them to know. I'm not hiding it from them because they are unknown. Oh, no, I know how they work. <laughs> Jesus. Like, we know how certain things work. But we're keeping them hidden until the time is right for them to be revealed to our children. Does that make them a mystery? Not really. Not really. And that's what Paul was trying to get us to understand. There are some things that you thought were a mystery, but they're not really that mysterious because God wasn't hiding them to keep them from you. God was hiding them until the right time that you could see them correctly so that you could understand them and grab them and hold on to them. There are certain things that, that are like that in Scripture. And it's so important. And when you see this word mystery in the Bible at all, uh, it, it wasn't a word that described God in some unknowable way. They weren't saying that God is so mysterious that you couldn't know, you would never know, you don't deserve to know, no. That word mysterious or mystery is best understood or translated like this, as a sacred secret. A sacred secret that God couldn't wait to tell. A sacred secret that God couldn't wait for the time to come to reveal a sacred secret that God wanted to share at just the right time when they were ready to, to hear it. it. It reminds me of those old commercials, uh, Bush's Baked Beans. You guys remember those commercials? Like, don't tell them what the secret is, the Bush's Baked Beans. Why wow, they're so, like, like, as if baked beans are really that good or mysterious. Come on. Like, the recipe that grandma's holding on to, 
She ain't telling you every way to make that yet because you couldn't make it yet. And she don't want her recipe ruined by somebody who don't know how to make it yet. Is it really a mystery? No, it's probably written down in a card somewhere in cursive handwriting that you're gonna have to Google to figure out what that cursive letter actually looks like. (laughs) Is it a mystery? No, it's known, but not known by everybody. Why is it not known? Because it's a secret of the family. And when you're ready and you can handle it, she might tell you. When we talk about the mysteries of God's ways, we got to remember a few things. Because I I think if we can remember these three things that I'm about to share with you, things that we say are mysterious really aren't that mysterious. Because if you want to know what God's up to, if you want to know what he's all about, if you want to know what he's trying to accomplish, if you want to know what he's really working in you, not necessarily why something, but the what of something, and the how of something, let me, let me tell you three things you've got you to keep in mind. We've got to keep this in mind, and this is what Paul was trying to help us understand about these sacred secrets, these, these mysteries that, that, that aren't going to be kept forever private, but they're not re- you're not ready to hear them yet, or you haven't seen them yet. Like, like, like God's waiting. He wants you to know them. He's not withholding them from you. There are three truths that we've got to keep, keep our eyes on. Number one is this. Remember... Jesus is the answer key. Jesus is the answer key to the problem that you haven't yet decoded or solved yet. Jesus is the answer key. Jesus is the one you've got to see everything through the lens of who Jesus is. Sometimes you're reading scripture and you're like, I don't know what that that verse is talking about. If you read it in the full context, likely, in some way, it's trying to help you understand Jesus a little better. I have a study Bible, and I love my study Bible. This is the Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible, the New International Version, and I highly recommend you pick up a study Bible at some point in your life. And one of the things I love is that at the beginning of every book in the Bible, this study Bible helps you see uh, how Christ is being revealed through this book. In fact, I love it because everything, everything from Genesis to Revelation, from index to maps, all of it, right? Like points to who Jesus is so that you can see Jesus accurately. So there is no confusion about who Jesus is. And in this particular one, uh, I love how it says, it says this. It says, Ephesians has been called the Alps of the New Testament, the Grand Canyon of Scripture, and the Royal Capstone of the Epistles, not only because of its great grand theme, but because of the majesty of Christ revealed in it. Chapter 1, he's the Redeemer, the one whom and by whom history will ultimately be consummated. And he is the resurrected Lord, not only as the risen over death and hell, but who reigns as king, pouring his life through his body, the church, the present expression of himself on the earth. Chapter 2, he's the peacemaker who was reconciled, who has reconciled man to God and who makes possible reconciliation of man to man as well. He is the chief cornerstone of the new temple consisting of his own people to be indwelt by God himself, Chapter 3, Jesus is revealed as the treasure in whom life's unsearchable riches 
are found. And he's the indweller of human hearts, securing us in the love of God. Chapter 4, he's the giver of ministry gifts to the church. And he's the victor who, uh, who has broken hell's ability to keep humanity captive. He is, uh, chapter 5, he's the model husband, unselfishly giving himself to his inheritance by his bride. He is the church. In chapter 6, he is the Lord, mighty in battle, the resource of strength for his own, and as the arm for spiritual warfare. All of those are revealed just in Ephesians, pointing to Jesus. Why? Because everything points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the decoder code for what you're trying to say is a mystery. And we say things are mysteries because we don't want to lean in and figure them out. We say they're a mystery because they seem beyond our comprehension. We say they're a mystery because we just don't know and we haven't figured it out. It's a mystery. And if you want to solve the mystery, look and find and discover Jesus. Things begin to make sense when you get a hold of who Jesus is. We have to remember Jesus is, is the answer key. He's the one that helps us learn how to relate to our Father. Jesus is the answer key. Number two, we've got to remember this. We've got to remember that redemption is God's goal. From the very beginning, once sin showed up and made a mess of life, severing relationship with God and entering in a world and an earth that is now fallen and decaying, God's plan was to redeem it. God's plan was to redeem his people. God's plan was to bring redemption into your life. Situations and things have happened and you've made choices and evil has shown up and good has come in your life. And all of it, what's it all about? God wants to redeem you. God is trying to help you see his redemption. The story of redemption is the story of God. The story of your life it's not about you. The story of your life is actually to help other people see God's redemptive work. We have to look at everything through the lens of, can God redeem this? Is God redeeming this? Has God just redeemed this? And when you look at Jesus and you understand redemption is God's ultimate goal, it's not so much a mystery anymore. We've got, we got to remember this third thing. And that's this. That God is drawing you closer. Doesn't matter the situation. Doesn't matter the season. Doesn't matter what you're struggling with. Jesus is the answer. Redemption is the goal. And God wants you close to him. Why does God want you close to him? Because things that you think are a mystery, these sacred secrets, are only shared and revealed to people who you're close to. Doesn't have to be a mystery. Doesn't have to be unknown. God actually wants to whisper things to you. Share insight with you. Unlock revelation to your heart. When you look at Jesus as the filter, I've got to see everything. 
when I know that God's ultimate goal is to redeem me and redeem this world. And at the end of the day, if I draw close to him, that's God's, what God is wanting to work out in you and for you and through you. This week, there's a guy in our uh, church and uh, he's walking through a kind of a, a really confusing, conflicting time in his life, in his career. He couldn't make heads or tails like, I see this, and is God trying to say this, and what about this, and how's this going on, and how's it all fit together, and what's God trying to do, and is it God, is it me, am I making the right move, is it the wrong move, what do I do? And it seemed like his life was a mystery in this moment. And he didn't know why it was going on, what was happening, and, and I sat with him, and I listened, and we talked. And I said, to be honest, you need to, you need to remember that Jesus is in you. God is always going to redeem things. And at the end of the day, you need to get close. You feel like there's a mystery that you can't solve, but a mystery isn't unsolvable. It's just a secret that has yet to be shared. So get closer. I said, go home. Block out the distractions. Get alone. Turn on some worship music if you want. Close your eyes. Take a couple deep breaths. And then say, Jesus, would you come sit with me for a little while? And imagine in your mind Jesus coming and sitting close next to you. I said, once you realize Jesus is there with you, just ask him, Jesus, what do you want to say to me about this? What do you want to tell me? said, and then be quiet and listen. He sent me a text a couple days later and he says, it's a game changer, Pastor. I've never heard his voice so clear in my life. And he shared with me the things that God was saying, brought immediate peace to the situation, immediate clarity and direction that he needed to go in. Most of the time, the things that we're conflicted by, worried by, consumed by, what we need to do is not try and solve it in our own thought process, not try and decode the mystery on our own. No, we need to see Jesus, know God is redeeming, and he's a redeeming God, and he wants to get close to you so he can tell you some sacred secrets that you need. Listen, if, if we can remember these things, we can make a conscious decision not to add to the mystery. Not to add to the mystery to people. Colossians chapter 1, 26 and 27 says this. It says, the mystery, the sacred secret, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles or those outside of faith, He's made known to them the glorious riches of this mystery, which is this, Christ in you, the hope of all glory. 
What's the secret? What's the thing? What's the missing ingredient? You want to know what it is? It's Christ lives in you. And he is the hope that you need to hold on to no matter what it is that you're facing, knowing that God is going to redeem you, redeem the situation, redeem this world and set it all right again. It's Christ in you that decodes all of the stuff that seems so confusing to you. That we would go off and say, oh, that's just, it's just, that works in mysterious ways. No. He loves you like crazy. And this blessing was from God to you. So let's just say, God, thank you. Rather than saying, well, I don't know why he's doing it. I'll tell you why he's doing it. He loves you. So he brought good into your life because he's good. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why they lost the baby. I don't know why I lost my friend. I don't, I don't know why I lost my job. I don't know why I'm struggling so much. It's, it's Christ at work redeeming some things. Well, did God cause it? Is it bad? Then no, he didn't cause it. Because the answer is Jesus. Redemption is what God is after, and he wants you to get closer to him. God loves to take every scenario and situation of our life and help us see Jesus because he is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And if we can begin to discover that hope and we can get this unshakable, immovable hope in our lives, we can live our lives in such a way that people can see that the hope that's in us is Jesus. And then God becomes less mysterious to them too. And we won't have to say, well, God works in mysterious ways. Why? Because they can see the redemption that God's done in our lives and in our marriages. They can see God has been at work. They can see that Jesus is in us. They can see that he's enough for what we need. They can see it. And so we don't have to add to the confusion. We don't have to live a life that's selfish. We don't have to live a life that's all about us. We can live a life that says it's Christ that's in me that's doing all of this. It's Christ that's in me that's giving me the confidence and the boldness. It's Christ that's in me that's helping me overcome. It's Christ in me. That's what it's all about. And when we discover that Jesus is the answer key, Redemption is what God's goal is. And at the end of the day, we have to come closer. We have to come closer. We have to come closer. We have to come closer so that he can share some of the sacred secrets with us. And he can whisper peace in the middle of a storm. He can give us the answer in the midst of chaos. We can recognize his voice. Listen, we not, may not feel like we can see past our pain right now. But we can be confident that despite the pain, Jesus is with us. Redemption is being worked. And I can get close to God. You might not be able to see God because you're so excited about this good thing that's happened to your life. But can I just tell you, Jesus is in the middle of it. Redemption is at work. He's worthy of the praise. And he wants you to stay close to him rather than absorbing it all in your own. Why? Because if we can keep these things front and center, 
this grand mystery that we call God actually becomes quite clear to us. And when it becomes clear to us, we live it in a way that becomes clearer to the people around us. And we don't have to add to the mystery anymore. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. And just take a minute and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you you helping me to see today, God? What are you doing in my heart today? Some of you, you're facing really challenging situations and it seems confusing and it conflicts and and you haven't been able to see Jesus or maybe you need to go get prayer. You'll be able to pray with our prayer team be at the prayer spot as soon as we dismiss. Have somebody pray with you. Maybe you're having trouble seeing Jesus because you've never read about Jesus and you need to go to the Bible and you need to read about, read about him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start reading through it. Reading about Jesus because Jesus revealed the ways of God and he embodied the will of God. We need to see him more clearly because circumstances and situations are shouting at you. And for some of you this week, you're just going to get closer. You're going to sit. You're going to say, I'm silencing everything. You're going to invite Jesus to come sit next to you and then ask him, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? And listen for his voice. Listen for his whisper. Listen for the sacred secrets that he wants to say to you today. And know that in all things, he's working the redemptive good in all of us, in every way. Father, I pray for your people today. God, many are hurting, many are conflicted, some are even confused. Some have never considered that Jesus is what scripture's all about. God, I pray that today, I really believe that you sent me on assignment today to help us see clearly that we can draw close to you. So God, may we lean into you today. May we lean in this week. God, may we see Jesus clearer, recognize redemption is at work, and listen close for the secrets you want to say to us as we draw close to you. Lord, I thank you for it. Speak a blessing over every person that's listening to this. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with them, you would keep them, your face would shine favorably on them, and that you would give us peace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.